0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run,
1: and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So
0: you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.
2: When you
1: buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create.
2: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. I'm Holly Fry. And today we have another frequently, frequently requested episode. Lots and lots of people have asked us to talk about the destruction of Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street was a nickname for Greenwood, which was essentially a suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma, which was destroyed in a race riot in 1921. So the name Black Wall Street makes it sound kind of like it was a business district, but Greenwood was really a vibrant neighborhood of businesses and homes and schools. It even had its own hospital. And Race Riot also makes it sound as though it was a fight instigated by people of more than one race. But while Greenwood's destruction was definitely the product of racial tensions, the actual event was a whole lot more one-sided than that. This all happened during a period of extreme racial tension in the United States. Race riots and lynchings and vigilante justice were really widespread. And the Tulsa race riot was one of the deadliest and most shocking events uh, from this era. And yet a lot of people knew nothing about it until maybe 20 or 30 years ago. It, It got brushed under the rug for a long time. And to set the
0: scene, the economy of Tulsa, Oklahoma, really boomed during the 19-teens thanks to the discovery of oil in the area. And the population in this uh, area of Oklahoma grew very quickly, including an influx of African-Americans, many of whom were leaving the Deep South in the hope that they could build a life in a less oppressive environment. And so Tulsa's population actually grew tenfold in the span of 10 years.
2: Also growing during this time in Tulsa were crime and lawlessness. A federal agent actually conducted an undercover investigation in April of 1921 and found, quote, gambling, bootlegging, and prostitution very much in evidence. At the leading hotels and rooming houses, the bellhops and porters are pimping for women and also selling booze. Regarding violations of the law, these prostitutes and pimps solicit without any fear of the police as they will invariably remind you... That you are safe in these houses. And that's where the quote ends. And in addition to that, automobile theft was so common that insurance companies started just canceling all their policies in Tulsa.
0: And at the same time, the suburb of Greenwood was really flourishing. By 1921, there were about 10,000 African-Americans living in the Tulsa area, and the vast majority of them were living in Greenwood. They fell all along the economic spectrum, so you had everyone from doctors and investors worth hundreds of thousands of dollars to families that were living in extremely modest homes along dirt roads.
2: Greenwood itself was simultaneously the product of segregation and of black entrepreneurship. O.W. Gurley and J.B. Stradford were two prominent African-American investors who really get a lot of credit for making the town what it was.
0: In the early 1900s, Gurley, who was a real, real estate developer, bought some land, plotted it out, and then sold it to other African-Americans. Stratford built a 54-room hotel that was also home to a restaurant, a banquet hall, and other amenities. And Stratford's hotel was one of the largest black-owned businesses in Oklahoma at that time.
2: These and other businesses became the seeds of a really robust community that was also deeply segregated from the rest of Tulsa. Uh, It, it, in a way, in a lot of ways was really self-sufficient. It had two newspapers, the Tulsa Star and the Oklahoma Sun. It also had its own library branch, schools, a hospital, theaters and lots of small businesses that were owned and operated by the black community. There were also many, many churches.
0: But most of its residents, while they were living and conducting almost all their business in Greenwood, worked for white employers elsewhere in the city. And this was the case for uh, a man important to our story by the name of Dick Rowland.
2: Dick Rowland was a young black man who worked in a downtown building shining shoes. Restrooms at this point were segregated and his workplace didn't have a a bathroom for black people. So his employer had arranged for him to use one that was on the top floor of the nearby Drexel building. Sarah Page was a young white woman who ran the Drexel building's elevator. An
0: incident passed between Roland and Page on May 30th of 1921. Uh, Exactly what happened is completely unclear. Her story changed at various points, and there seems to be no testimony on record Of Dick Rowland. However, a clerk at a clothing store in the Drexel building thought he heard a scream and he saw Dick Rowland hurrying out of the building and he called the police.
2: The story that spread through Tulsa was that Dick Rowland had either raped or tried to rape Sarah Page in broad daylight in the elevator. Rowland was arrested the next morning and held on the top floor of the Tulsa courthouse.
0: The Tulsa Tribune, which was an afternoon paper, covered his arrest on the 31st and reported his crime as a physical attack, quote, scratching her hands and face and tearing her clothes. The paper also reportedly published an editorial calling for Roland to be lynched. However, no original copies of these articles exist. There are pieces torn out of the bound copies of the paper that were kept on record. The text of the story reporting Roland's arrest is reprinted from a 1946 master's thesis.
2: Yeah, there are multiple eyewitness testimonies of people who who saw these articles in the newspaper, but the actual copies of the no, of the newspaper no longer exist. Uh, before we talk about how this turned the, the scene at the courthouse to one of a mob scene, let's take a brief moment for a word from a sponsor.
1: Seasons change. Why not your gaming tech? Upgrade now during the Alienware Summer Sale event and save on select next-gen Alienware PCs and more. Pair your impressive skills with advanced gaming systems, like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor, featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. The incredible design and unrelenting power of Alienware lets you game like never before. This is gaming perfected. Immerse yourself in leading-edge 4K UHD entertainment. Limited time offer. Shop our latest tech. Free shipping. When you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition. And yes, that's free shipping on everything. Exceptional prices await you for a limited time only. At Alienware.com slash deals. That's Alienware.com slash deals.
0: entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
2: podcasts. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! By about 7.30 in the evening on May the 31st, A lynch mob had started to gather outside the Tulsa courthouse, and the mob was demanding that Roland be turned over to them. The sheriff refused to do this. And word
0: spread to the Greenwood District about what was going on. People were positive that Roland was going to be lynched. There had been 33 recorded lynchings in Oklahoma between the time it had been declared as a state in 1907 and 1920, and 27 of the victims of those lynchings had been black.
2: They also had ample reason to doubt that the courthouse was a secure place to keep Roland safe. There had been a couple of really dramatic jailbreaks from the courthouse in the months leading up to this event.
0: And the black community was quite positive that if they did not protect Roland, no one would, and that he was going to be lynched.
2: So with all of that in mind, about 25 African-American residents, many of whom were veterans of World War I, armed themselves and went from Greenwood to the courthouse to offer their assistance in defending him. The sheriff refused and insisted that Roland was safe, and so the men went back to Greenwood.
0: However, the arrival of 25 armed black men on the scene really stirred up a lot of fear and anger among the white mob outside the courthouse. Word got to Major James A. Bell of the National Guard that things were starting to look really ugly. And even though the sheriff told him things were okay, he quietly sent word to the other National Guardsmen in the area to come down to the armory.
2: This was fortunate because some of the mob from the courthouse then went to the armory to try to get rifles and ammunition for themselves. And they were stopped by the National Guard members that Major Bell had summoned.
0: Tensions continued to grow for another couple of hours. Uh, The crowd at the courthouse got bigger and bigger. Small groups of Greenwood residents started patrolling the streets, armed, both as recon and to try to show that Greenwood was not entirely defenseless. And the white community began to fear that an uprising was imminent.
2: Soon, rumor reared its head again. At about 10 p.m., word got back to Greenwood that a lynch mob was breaking into the courthouse. And so this time it was about 75 armed African-American men who made their way there to once again offer their aid in keeping Roland safe. So again, the sheriff refused their help. And as they turned to
0: go back to Greenwood, one of the white men tried to disarm one of the black men. And in the ensuing scuffle, a shot was fired.
2: It was this spark that started the riot in earnest. More shots were fired in front of the courthouse, with as many as a dozen people being killed there. And as the dust settled, the black men, who were vastly outnumbered, began falling back to Greenwood in a fighting retreat, with the white mob in pursuit.
0: Once the men were back in Greenwood, things continued to get worse. Carloads of white men started driving through black neighborhoods, just shooting indiscriminately into houses and at people on the street.
2: White vigilantes also broke into downtown Tulsa's sporting goods stores to steal guns and ammunition.
0: Others went to some of the white neighborhood's all-night cafes and started a plan to invade Greenwood the next morning.
2: The law enforcement's action at this point in Tulsa was to begin deputizing people, including members of the original lynch mob.
0: Soon, the National Guard was ordered to aid local authorities, they did this by setting up a perimeter around the northern edge of Tulsa's white neighborhood to defend it against a counterattack, a counterattack which never actually happened.
2: People started setting fires in Greenwood at about 1 a.m., and then the mob prevented the fire department from trying to put the fires out, so the fires spread really rapidly.
0: Throughout the night, both the National Guard and local law enforcement wound up responding to false reports of shots fired by black people in white neighborhoods all over Tulsa. And they were doing this rather than responding to the real reports of violence and arson that were going on in Greenwood.
2: At 1.36 a.m., the chief of police sent a telegram to the state capitol, which read, race riot developed here, several killed, unable handle situation, request that National Guard forces be sent by special train, situation serious. This telegram was signed by the chief of police, the sheriff, and a district judge. A train was scheduled
0: to leave Oklahoma City, bound for Tulsa, at 5 a.m. that morning, carrying about 100 additional National Guard troops.
2: During the night, a lot of Greenwood residents stayed behind to try to defend their homes and businesses, but many others fled. They took cars, taxis, and other transportation north out of the city, Greenwood was on the northern side of Tulsa, so this meant that they didn't have to go back through Tulsa to try to get away. Some people were able to take refuge with their employers or other compassionate citizens on the Tulsa side of town. But a lot of people were really left mostly defenseless.
0: Before the sun came up on June 1st, an armed mob had gathered around the fringes of Greenwood. Some of them were carrying weapons that had been provided to them by public officials, In addition to the deputized members of the lynch mob, some of this crowd were uniformed police officers and members of the National Guard.
2: There are also multiple eyewitness reports of airplanes in the skies over Greenwood as the riot went on. Although exactly what was done from the airplanes is a little harder to substantiate. There are reports that bombs are dropped, but there's not clear evidence to support that. It's pretty likely that there were definitely people firing their guns from the airplanes, though.
0: The train carrying the additional National Guard troops got to Tulsa around 9.15 a.m. These out-of-town troops became known as the state troops, and this helps differentiate them from the local National Guard that were part of the rioting. But by that point, most of Greenwood had already been burned to the ground.
2: Martial law was declared at 11.29 a.m. on June 1st, although by then the riot had really mostly run its course. Once martial law was declared, the state troops moved through Greenwood, putting out fires, disarming the rioters who were still there and forcing them to go back to Tulsa. Order was restored around 8 p.m. on June 1st.
0: The state troops also took custody of African-Americans who had been imprisoned by vigilantes during the riot. But this was not exactly a rescue. The state troops took every black person they could find into custody in a mass arrest. People who had fled the city were detained when they returned. It was supposedly for people's own protection, but a clear part of the motivation was the white community's ongoing fear of a black uprising.
2: In the end, about 6,000 African Americans were held at the convention hall and, when they ran out of room there, at the fairgrounds in the ball field. Some black citizens were held for more than a week. No one was released until a white person could vouch for them and also take responsibility for their future behavior. So before we talk about the aftermath of this riot, let's take another brief moment for a word from a sponsor. Seasons
1: change. Why not your gaming tech? Upgrade now during the Alienware Summer Sale event and save on select next-gen Alienware PCs and more. Pair your impressive skills with advanced gaming systems, like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. The incredible design and unrelenting power of Alienware lets you game like never before. This is gaming perfected. Immerse yourself in leading-edge 4K UHD entertainment. Limited time offer. Shop our latest tech. Free shipping. When you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition. And yes, that's free shipping on everything. Exceptional prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com/deals. That's Alienware.com/deals.
2: Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Greenwood was virtually destroyed. 35 city blocks were burned to the ground, and at least 800 people sustained injuries that had to be treated. 1,256 homes were destroyed, plus the hospital, the library, some of the schools, and both of the newspaper's offices. A couple of weeks after the riot, The Nation reported that the damages totaled $1.5 million dollars, although more recent estimates are multiple times higher than that.
0: And from the Tulsa Daily World the next day is this quote. Personal belongings and household goods had been removed from many homes and piled in the streets. On the steps of a few houses that remained sat feeble and gray Negro men and women and occasionally a small child. The look in their eyes was one of dejection and supplication. Judging from their attitude, it was not of material consequence to them whether they lived or died. Harmless themselves, they apparently could not conceive the brutality and fiendishness of men who would deliberately set fire to the homes of their friends and neighbors and just as deliberately shoot them in their tracks.
2: Dr. Robert Bridgewater and his wife Maddie were two of the fortunate few to have had their homes spared by the fire, but they got to it to find that their possessions had all been destroyed. Dr. Bridgewater wrote, quote, I saw my piano and all of my elegant furniture piled in the street. My safe had been broken open, all of my money stolen. Also my silverware, cut glass, all of the family clothes, and everything of value had been removed, even my family Bible. My electric light fixtures were broken, all of the window lights and glass in the doors were broken. The floors were covered, literally speaking, with glass. Even the phone was torn from the wall.
0: And there's actually a photo that's part of the historical record of this event. And it shows massive columns of smoke rising from the Greenwood District. Written across it and misspelled is running the Negro out of Tulsa. A photo of the charred body of one of the victims was also used as a postcard.
2: At the time, official estimates put the death toll at nine white people and 26 black people. But pretty much immediately, everyone knew that those numbers were way too low. We'll never really know the official number because birth records at the time are incomplete and many of the African Americans who were killed were buried in unmarked mass graves or thrown into the Arkansas River. Funeral home records report burials of many people identified only as, quote, unknown Negro in the days after the riot. More recent investigations suggest that more like 300 people were killed with the overwhelming majority of them being African-American.
0: And the riot forced most of Tulsa's African-American population into homelessness. The city and its residents made things hard on those who'd lost their homes in the hopes of forcing people to resettle elsewhere. They even passed a fire ordinance specifically designed to keep people from rebuilding, although it was overturned as unconstitutional about four years later.
2: Even so, Tulsa's black community set to work rebuilding Greenwood, but it was a slow process. So many of them spent the following winter living in tents. With the exception of the Red Cross and white residents of surrounding communities, the black community got very little help in its rebuilding efforts. The city of Tulsa, as we mentioned, actively discouraged the rebuilding effort.
0: On the legal end of things, uh, Dick Rowland's charges were ultimately dismissed. A grand jury convened to investigate what had happened, uh, and they found Tulsa's black population responsible for the riot. About 70 black men were charged with inciting the riot, although none of them were ultimately convicted. J.B. Stratford was one. He fled Oklahoma for Illinois, eventually building a law practice in Chicago. He died in 1935, and in 1996, following his family's fight to clear his name, he was finally cleared of all charges.
2: No white person was ever tried for any of the murders or arsons that took place or with any other criminal act associated with the riot. Immediately
0: after the riot, the event was international news. And in the weeks that followed, papers across the U.S. published scathing editorials condemning what had happened. Journalists called it both a disgrace and a horror.
2: But then it really fell from view for pretty much everyone who did not directly live through it. History books that were published in Oklahoma made no mention of it for more than 20 years, and even then it was very brief and glossed over.
0: People began to investigate and write about this riot following the civil rights movement, although the first people to blaze this trail were really met with threats of violence.
2: Eventually, in 1997, the state of Oklahoma formed a commission that was meant to investigate what had happened and to create clear documentation of the riot. The commission was also to make a recommendation of whether reparations should be paid to the survivors and their descendants.
0: Calls for reparations had actually started almost immediately after the riot was over. In 1921, Judge Loyal J. Martin, who had been the mayor, said, quote, Tulsa can only redeem herself from the countrywide shame and humiliation into which she is today plunged by complete restitution and rehabilitation of the destroyed black belt. The rest of the United States must know that the real citizenship of Tulsa weeps at this unspeakable crime and will make good the damage so far as it can be done to the last penny.
2: The report of the Oklahoma Commission to Study the Tulsa Race Riot of 1921 called the event, quote, late to be acknowledged and still to be repaired. And the commission's report argued really strongly in favor of reparations, including direct reparations paid to the survivors who were still living and their descendants. At this point, though, many of the people who had lived through the riot had died. When the commission put out its final report, the riot was almost 80 years in the past. But still alive were the children and grandchildren of the people who had survived the riot and of some people who had been killed. The
0: state legislature established scholarships, a memorial, and an economic development initiative for Greenwood, but it declined to make actual reparations to survivors and their descendants.
2: As sort of a side note, a lot of articles about the Tulsa race riot and about the destruction of what was known as Black Wall Street say that the riot was a result of Klan activity. And while the Ku Klux Klan had been reestablished in Atlanta in 1915, and it was definitely growing all around the United States, there's not really evidence to suggest that the Ku Klux Klan specifically was active in Tulsa or was part of the riot. However, one of the consequences or the, the ramifications after the riot uh, was that the Klan really started to flourish in Oklahoma once the riot was over. We've had so many people request this particular uh, subject. And it's one that, unsurprisingly, based on having learned that it was so conscientiously not discussed for so many years, it is one that I was not really familiar with before doing research on it. You and I have had several episodes where we had to stop recording because the material was upsetting and we needed to take a minute. And this is one where I had to stop researching because the material was upsetting and I needed to take... Like, a step away from it.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, uh, I I had to stop earlier while we were recording. I know you and I had been talking about it while you were researching, and you messaged me at one point. We're like, I can't handle this right now. It's a lot to take in, and it's hard to think about sort of the, the mob mentality and how hurtful... Uh, and sort of dispassionate these situations become where people stop thinking about other people as people and they just get in that mode of, like, violence. Uh,
2: right. Well, and there's also a lot of ongoing controversy about the idea of reparations and when a government should pay reparations and how long is too long. Uh, and this seems like a case where there was a really clear case for reparations argued really strongly in the commission's report because it it wasn't just this happened, people's homes were destroyed. There's also the part where the people who were meant to be protecting the population were instead taking part in this violent activity. Uh, People's insurance claims were not able to be paid out because most insurance claims don't, or most insurance companies don't offer coverage in the case of civil unrest, which this counted as. So, uh, I think the thing that shocked me most about it was, in the face of all that evidence, the final decision was still that, that direct reparations would not be paid to the survivors and their descendants.
0: In peppier news, do you have mail for us to kind of end on a more upbeat note?
2: I do. Uh, and this, in a way, it's, it, it is. In a way, it's not. This is from Francie. And Francie says... I'm not sure I can adequately describe how much I truly enjoy your podcast. It is just my favorite and makes my grueling commute actually quite enjoyable. I'm writing today because I recently listened to your episode about the Grove Park Inn and immediately perked up when hearing Tracy mention her grandmother had spent time at a tuberculosis asylum in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Well, I'm fairly certain that there was only one TB asylum in Black Mountain. The town's not that big. And if so, then that former asylum would eventually be converted into the grounds of a girl's summer camp Camp Merrimack, where I spent nearly every summer of my childhood. The big house, as we called the camp's main building, was once the asylum's primary facility. In my day, it housed the dining hall, the infirmary, and the camp's offices. Besides being a creepy name for a building in the South, Merrimack's big house still had some features of a former medical facility, making it all the more eerie. I particularly remember the buzzers all along the walls, as well as one night that I spent in the infirmary with a nasty cold, I felt the whole time like I was in some old war movie with the long hospital ward room lined by old-fashioned metal-framed beds. Merrimack's obligatory camp ghost story is rooted in its history as a tuberculosis asylum. As I remember, the story is about a young woman named Myrtle who was in love with a young man, but either her family or his or both were against the match. And so, although she wasn't sick, some ill-intentioned family member had her interned at the tuberculosis asylum. Eventually, she was able to get word to her beloved, and they planned to meet on the grounds of the asylum late one night and then elope together. As the story goes, he waited for her at the bottom of a stone staircase that was built into the side of the mountain. That staircase, no idea when it was actually built, is still part of the summer camp, or was when I was there, and was called the Myrtle Stairs. So, he was at the bottom of the staircase and she was at the top, or maybe it was the other way around. Either way... As Myrtle was running down or up the stairs to greet her beloved, she tripped on the 13th step and fell the rest of the way, breaking her neck and dying. Of course, Myrtle is said to haunt the steps to this day. Furthermore, for some reason, maybe it's the supposed anniversary of her death, July 3rd was known to be Myrtle Day among the campers. And a sort of a Halloween-type day when Myrtle's spirit was most powerful. Lots of pranks and mischief would go on during the night of July 3rd, as I remembered. So that's the story of Myrtle's ghost and of my random connection to the hosts of my favorite podcast. As a side note, all of this makes me think that the history of American summer camps would be an interesting episode to do one day, no? Personally, I'm curious to know the history behind summer camps, appropriating the names of American Indian tribes and incorporating pseudo-Indian rituals and tradition into camp life. It's weird and creepy and also fascinating to me. Thanks for your time, ladies, and keep up the good work. Francie. I wanted to read Fancy, Francie's email for two reasons. One, I love the whole story about how the uh, tuberculosis asylum was turned into a summer camp. In part because where I grew up, the science museum used to be uh, an insane asylum, which made it a very weird place for them to have a, a haunted house at Halloween time. Ooh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the the most the the. Main part of the Science Museum was actually like a newly built building, but all the old asylum buildings were still there. Um, the other is that Holly and I did an episode in our previous podcast that was called Pop Stuff called Let's Go to Camp, in which we talk about the history of summer camps in the United States. And we do talk a little bit about uh, the appropriative names that happen um, in a lot of summer camps around the United States.
0: Yes, that, the story that she tells in that letter makes me feel like it's the setup for a Wes Anderson film.
2: It does kind of sound like that, yeah.
0: But I feel that way about a lot of fun stories.
2: <laughs> if you would like to write to us about this or any other subject, you can write to us at History Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. We're also on Facebook at Facebook.com slash in History and on Twitter at Myst History. Our Tumblr is Myst in History.tumblr.com and we are also on Pinterest at Pinterest.com slash in History. If you would like to learn a little more about what we talked about today, you can come to our parent website, which is HowStuffWorks.com. You can put the word riots into the search bar and you will find how riots work. Uh, And if you want to come find show notes and all of our episodes in One Giant Archive, you can come to our website, which is MistInHistory.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
1: But only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day. And regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros.
2: Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and P&G's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ community. So this pride, glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer.